All right, we're going to be all over in the Bible today, looking at a number of different things. I heard a story, though, of a man who had moved into a retirement community. And as he was in there for a little while, he got to know some of the residents and he started to spend some more time with the residents that were there. In particular, there's this one woman he was a little bit of attracted to and it turned out she was also attracted to him. They began to spend more and more time eating some meals together and just enjoying each other's company. And so um, one night, he proposed marriage to her. And the next morning, he woke up and he remembered that he had asked her to marry him, but he could not remember what she said. And so he went and he found her the next day and he says, I know I proposed. I know that I asked you to marry, but I cannot remember if you said yes or no. And she looked at him and said, oh, thank goodness. I knew I said yes to someone. I just didn't remember who. (laughs) Sometimes I remember doesn't always work. Sometimes the things we remember isn't exactly how it happened. But the thing is, we have based a lot of beliefs in our heart on memories that may or may not exist. We've based a lot of beliefs in our heart based on things we think the Word of God says. It really makes no difference where your belief came from. What matters is that you believe it, and that whether you realize it or not, your thoughts and your actions are ordered by your beliefs. And as we've been looking at this scripture, I asked Daryl if he pulled this up on the screen. We can read this has been our text scripture for this series. As we've been looking at how to change long-time or long-term situations that have been in our lives, things that we don't want in our life, but they've been around for a long time. Here's the scripture. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. So we use this as the text scripture to show you some of the things that are going on in the realm of the spirit that we may not be aware of. This is looking at a situation where a man was possessed by a demon spirit. And we know from the word of God, how does a demon possess spirit, how does a demon that is possessing someone come out? In the word of God, we saw that Jesus cast them out by the power of his word. He sent his disciples out. They cast out those demons by the power of the word. Others went out in the book of Acts and through the authority of the name of Jesus, demons were cast out of people. The only way we ever see the demon spirits come out of people is when someone casts them out. So what we know from this story is someone came up to this man, cast out this spirit. In other words, God's will was for him to be free. And he demonstrated it by having that spirit cast out of him. That spirit went out to find rest and couldn't find it, came back to the house where he had been. And he came and found it empty, clean, or swept and put in order. Three conditions. Empty, swept, and put in order. Now, when this man first came up to this house, he inhabited it. When he came up to the second time, he did not. Because the condition of being empty, swept, and put in order prevented him from getting in. If it did not prevent him to get in, why did he go get seven others? So he goes out and gets seven others, and apparently what was done in the house was not enough to keep seven more wicked than himself out. And he also entered in. Eight now are in that 
habitation. And the word of God says that the last state of that man is worse than the first. Now, when, many times we read over this. How many times, how many people have actually studied this, this section of scripture before we picked it up on here? Or you just kind of read it and just, well, just kind of read it. But when I was asking God about this, this series, and I told you we've been building up this series for a while, telling you about it, that uh, I told, told God way back, says, well, I'm not going to teach this unless I see the principle taught somewhere in the Word of God. And this is where he showed it to me. We've had conditions that have gone on in our bodies for a long time. Some of us have headaches, and they've been going on for a long time. Some of us have uh, conditions with our belief in ourselves. We have a low self-image of ourselves, and we can't seem to get that, that uh, built back up to where I can believe good things about myself. Some of us have an issue with weight. We're too light. We're too heavy. Some of us have an issue with blood pressure. It's too high. It's too low. There are a lot of natural conditions that can go on. And we have made, I bet you, uh, everybody here, if you have some of these conditions, you've made some changes. If you don't believe in yourself, you read some self-help books and you saw a change for a little while. But that change didn't maintain itself. You got on a diet and your weight changed. But then it came back. And how many can attest to this? Sometimes the last state is worse than the first. We were weighing 230 pounds. We lost 15. Then we gained 30 back. Now our, worst, our last state is worse than before. And we've seen this go on a, a number of times, not just in the area of physical things, but even sometimes we've been in a, in a uh, meeting and there's a, a gift of the Spirit present and someone lays hands on you and healing comes about through a miracle. A miracle happens and you are healed in your body of something. And you go on like that for a week, two weeks, a month, six months, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden it seems to come back. And now it's come back and it's even worse than it was before. Why is it that if God caused a change in your body, why didn't it last? If it's the will of God, why didn't it stay? So that's been our series. We looked at it the first number of weeks. I think this is week six. The first five weeks we looked at some things. Well, the first week we just kind of introduced, talked to you about some of this. The last number of weeks we looked at our words, that your words are a powerful thing remember the example we had when the kids were in this service and we had the legos and they were trying to build the picture that was on the legos but we gave them lincoln logs you can't build lego uh images with lincoln logs we can't build the image we see in the word of god when we give god lincoln logs and a lot of times in our words that's all we're giving him and so we looked at a number of weeks for that five weeks on the things about our words but here's another one that's our beliefs the things that you believe, whether they are right or whether they are wrong, are ordering your life. And we need to find a way to, to root them out and take care of them. I put this in your outline for you. What I believe may be camouflaged at times by what I say, but it is exposed in what I think and do. You may believe a particular thing and you may say something different, but your thinking, you don't mask it. Your actions aren't masked. You begin to do these particular things. So we're going to take a look at some of this in the Word of God. And one of the most long-standing conditions, and you all are very familiar with this, most long-standing condition I know of in the Word of God is the condition that existed with the Israelites. We're going to see this over in uh, Exodus chapter... Let's, uh, let's turn on. I, I didn't copy that one over. Pull up uh, Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. I didn't copy that into my outline. For some reason, I had it in here. Let's read that over first. 
Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God was leading them out, but he said, if I have them face adversity right off the bat, they're going to change their mind. Now, think of it this way. I think I pick on diets all the time because most people at some time have been on a diet. And a diet just means that you are eating food that you have decided, not food that you want. Isn't that right? That's, That's all that a diet is. You're eating food that you decided to eat, not food that you want to eat. And that's what makes the, the diet hard is because I want to eat this. And don't think skinny people don't have problems with diets. Because when I, was, when I was in college, we had a diet that we were on. I was thinner than I am now. I was a 145 in college, never changed. That was my weight. I gained weight when I went to college. I run across country, stayed at 145 the entire time I was there. And we had to, as cross country members, we had to eat 4,500 calories a day. Has anyone ever tried to eat 4,500 calories a day? We had to eat just to maintain the weight, not to gain anything, just to maintain it, 4,500 calories a day. And I was tired of food. I was just plain tired of food. I, came, I remember one time I came down to the meal. I saw the food that was being served. And it wasn't that the food was bad. I just was tired of food. I don't want to eat anymore. And you have to force yourself sometimes to eat the food that you have to eat. If you think that running makes you hungry. It does when you, eat, when you run one or two miles a day. It makes you hungry. When you run 8, 10, 12 miles a day, it makes you less hungry. And you're going to eat and you're just not hungry. And so one time I just wasn't hungry, so I just, I'll eat some oranges. So I ate some oranges. People laughed at me. I had a pile of oranges. The, 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 the um, skins were this high. Just the skin. Just I, I don't know. If oranges appealed to me that day. I ate oranges. But it was hard to do. I didn't want to eat. If I had my druthers, I'd just go, go to bed and not eat at all. But that wouldn't be good. So a diet is eating food that you choose, that you've decided to, not food that you want. And so we can pick on that because, you know, we can understand this. They, they wanted to get out of Egypt. Remember that? Israel, they wanted to get out of Egypt. They were crying out to God. God, get us out of Egypt. We don't want to be here anymore. So God brought them out and God says, they're going to change their mind. They're going to go back. So I can't take them in the way where they were hit adversity. You know, diets would be great and you all would still be on the diet that you got on before if it wasn't for adversity. What do you mean I can't have pizza? Right? What do you mean no ice cream? I love ice cream. Go to verse 18. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. So they leave Egypt, they get out of Egypt and they go. Exodus chapter 14, verse 5. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. They went out with boldness. Don't, don't forget that about them. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Phi-Herioth, before Belzephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their voice, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Because there were, 
Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Now, we are only looking at a matter of days when they left Egypt to the point where they're saying, We want to go back. We're going to look at all the times that they said, we want to go back. One of my favorite singers, Keith Green. I was going through some of his uh, YouTube. You know, he's up on YouTube. How many do not know who Keith Green is? Oh, boy, you're missing a, missing a good. He was, uh, I never liked music. My, my mom will test this. I did not like music in high school. Didn't like music in junior high. Didn't listen to any music at all. None. And then I went away to this uh, uh, Christian gathering. Uh, I think it was called... The Jesus Festivals are now creation festivals. It's probably more popular. But it's one of those kind of things. They bring in all the speakers and all the singers. And, and they do nothing all day but have groups playing music and people teaching. That's all they do all day. And so I came back from there and I brought home a, a tape cassette. This is how back far it goes. A tape cassette of Keith Green for him who has ears to hear. That was one of his albums that he had. And so I was playing that at home. And I remember playing it at home on the... Uh, there's only one tape player we had in the house, and that was down in the living room. Playing it in the living room, Dad heard it. Dad came in and said, what is that music we're playing? We don't play that music in this house. Well, he was a little bit more rock and roll type of stuff. I said, Dad, it's Christian. His, voice, his response was, it doesn't sound very Christian because it, it was a rockier beat. Now, he, he, uh, he was open to change on that, and so they, uh, they did pursue Keith Green and his ministries, and both he and my mom, they were supporting Keith Green and the ministry before long they were because they got so turned on to the message his heart his passion was great he's not the greatest piano player he is not the greatest singer his songs probably are not the best well-written songs in the in the world but i'll tell you what his passion for what he did his passion for his god brought me in caught me into to what he was doing just loved his stuff but as i was looking over this i don't know if i didn't even know this was going on he was on a tv show that was so old it was black and white and they brought him on in a panel as 11 years old and this, you know, it's one of those things, guess who this person is or guess what he's famous for, one of those kind of shows. And so they're asking him questions about this. I didn't know, but at age 11, Keith Green had written 40 songs and had signed a contract for four years with a certain record company to do so at age 11. And uh, he's named some of the songs that he'd done. I didn't hear any of them. So none of the ones that was on the albums that I heard was, was on there. But his passion for this. But one of the things he did, he wrote a song, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt. So I was looking around there to see if I could find a fun version of it or something that was good that we could put on here, and I uh, just didn't find what we were looking for. But if you want to, go out on YouTube and look for Keith Green, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt. He just wrote a whole song about this, and his part about manna is hysterical. Oh, it was just all the things that they would do with, with manna. So if you never heard that, that would be a treat for you. But this is the thing that we see throughout the Word of God is they keep saying, we want to go back to Egypt. Was Egypt good? No, it, it was... There was slavery. For a time, they even killed their babies because they were getting to be too, too, too numerous. Moses was spared out of that, but they went and they killed their babies. They worked them all day. They didn't feed them well. They beat them. And they said, we want to go back to that. We want to leave where we are here in freedom, and we want to go back to, to this place over here because their memory of it was bad. Where do we leave off at? Verse uh, Chapter 17, verse 1. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey 
from the wilderness of Sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Raphidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst, longing for it to go back to Egypt? That's only three chapters later. Chapter 32. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come make us gods that we shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened, what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the gold earrings which are in your ears and your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the gold earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron and he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and they made a molded calf. And they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. What is this Moses who brought us up? Now God had told them many times who it was who brought them out of Egypt. They were forgetting that. This was in Exodus chapter 32. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 1, we don't have to turn there. Exodus chapter 19 tells us that it has been three months since they left Egypt. So in three months' time, they had already wanted to go back to Egypt twice. In three months' time. Numbers chapter 1 and verse 1 tells us that now two years plus a month or two has, uh, has gone by. And so Exodus 32 was before that. So before two years goes by, they want to go back to Egypt three times that we know of. Remember something that was written in the Gospels about Jesus? That all the works that Jesus did could not be written? Well, if all the works that Jesus did in three and a half years could not be written in books, how could all the works that God did with Israel be written that occurred over 40 years? So we don't have all the stories that went on. We're just going over the ones that we have. Numbers chapter 11 and verse 1. Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Ethel was talking about that this morning. For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned against them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and fire was, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tabera, because the fire of the Lord had burned against them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Is their memory faulty? Ah, oh, we remember how, how good that was. Ah, oh, we remember, oh, it was, just, it was this way. Have you ever had that memory? You know, think back at school. Oh, how good it was at school. Oh, I just loved it. You get back to our school, this is it? This, we had a restaurant. Oh, that was so good. We had a dive. Oh, it was so good. It was outstanding. You go back there, what happened? Sometimes our memory just isn't as good as, as we like it to be. But now our whole being is dried up and there is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. They have a bad memory of what actually has, has gone on. Further down in verse eight, uh, chapter 11 and 18, Then you shall say to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. For it was well with us in Egypt. It was so well they were crying out to God, God, take us out of here. Therefore, the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. And you shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but a whole month until it comes out your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you, because you have despised the Lord who is among you and have wept before him, saying, 
Why did we ever come up out of Egypt? Numbers 14, verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us up to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. We're not done yet. Numbers chapter 20. Verse 1, Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron, and the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died with our brethren, when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. Numbers 21, verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor to, by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes its worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among them, among the people, and they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. We see that there were seven different times that the children of Israel longed to go back to Egypt. And they wanted to return. We spent time on this uh, not too long ago. And we looked at the whole uh, goings about and Exodus and Numbers and so forth. We see that there's a lot of the word of God on the first couple of years. And then more on the last year or two of the 40 years that they're in the wilderness. And that period of time in the middle not really covered a whole lot. So how much of those times do you think they got tired and wanted to go back to Egypt? In about two years' time, or a little bit more, than, I'd say about three years' time, they have wanted to go back to Egypt seven times. Why do they keep wanting to go back to Egypt? This is the question I was asking on this. What, what is it that would bring you to want to go back into a place of slavery, into a place of Egypt, a place that you, want, you said you didn't want to be in? Why do they keep having this recurring desire to go in? And here's the thing, folks. They believed that things were better in Egypt than they are now. That's all that there is to it. Why do we want a change of our circumstances? Because I believe that things were better in the past than they are now. Now, this is the tactic of the enemy, folks. He always wants you to either look back or look ahead. But not be thankful for where you are. He wants you to look back and remember it as being better. Married people, oh, I wish I was single. Old people, oh, I wish I was young. Whatever, we always want to go back. You know, we're in college, oh, I wish I was in high school. This is so hard in college. We look back because our memory of what was behind was better and easier than where I am right now. And if that doesn't work, then he wants you to look ahead. You should have this. You should be here. This should be yours. It's not. And then because I'm looking ahead and I'm not seeing that coming about, I'm dissatisfied with where I am. That's not a good place to be. Now, what false beliefs might you have? The Israelites had a false belief that said 
we had it better in Egypt than we have it now. Now think about this. You weren't, you weren't in charge of your own food. You were given whatever food they gave you. You were only given as much as they gave you. You had to work as long as they said, and they could beat you at any time that they wanted. That's just, the, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Now, they have food that falls from heaven. All they have to do is go out and pick it up. That's it. They have a cloud that covers them during the day to keep them cool. They have a pillar of fire at night to keep them warm. They have a God who protects them from anything that happens. When an army tries to charge them from the rear, he wiped them out. When a sea was in front of them, he parted it. When they had no water, he, he brought it from a rock. And the stories can keep on going. But they believed that this is not as good as we had it with the Egyptians. Faulty memory. Faulty belief. So what kind of false beliefs might you have? I just wrote down some. There's a ton of them that you could write down. I just wrote down some. These are some of the ones that I hear from, from people. First off, how many have heard this one? God is in control. Now, see, that's a lie from the pit of hell. God is in control. Because if you believe that God is in control, then whatever happens to you, God allowed or God desired or God wanted. Therefore, there must be a purpose. and Therefore, you don't fight it. You just take whatever it is that's thrown your way. But that's not how it is in the Word of God. If God was in control, the Word of God says that um, He desires that all men come to a saving knowledge of Him. If God is in control, how come that's not happening? God said, I desire all be healed. How come all are not healed? There's a lot of things that the Word of God says that are His desire that are not happening. Obviously, God is not in control. It's a simple reason for it. We're not going to get into all the details there now. Not trying to combat all these things. Just showing you that these things, these things happen. Hey, but this, I'm nobody. Anybody have that belief? I'm nothing. I'm, no, no, but I'm insignificant. Nobody cares. If I died tomorrow, nobody would care. That's a lie from the pit of hell too. Hey, but this one, it's not working. You can do this for something spiritual. You learn the spiritual principle in church. You learn the spiritual principle in a podcast from somebody. You read about it in a book and you put that thing to work and you get this. It's not working. It's not working. I like what one person told me one time. He said, if it's not working, why is the enemy trying to get you to stop? How about this one? God doesn't have any time for my needs or my prayers. Now, here's a prayer that comes out of that. See, if you have, I'm sure no one here has ever made a prayer like this, but maybe you know people who made prayers like this, okay? God, I don't want to bother you with this, but I'm in so much pain. If you could just take half of the pain away, I'll, I'll, I'll hold up under the rest. Could you just take half of the pain? I don't want to trouble you, but if you could just take away half of the pain. See, it sounds like a tumble. I don't want to bother God. God's, you know, he's busy. God has got time on his hands. I mean, he's over there counting the hairs on your head. That's a, that's a person who has time on his hands. He is not bothered with time. We don't understand how God operates. Otherwise, we wouldn't be asking that. How about this? That's just my cross to bear. And we spent a lot of time on that some time ago. But uh, that's a wrong interpretation of that verse. And you have bared some things that you're not supposed to bear. Maybe you heard this one. I never did anything bad. 
so I'll get to heaven. Or God won't send me to hell. I'll go to church when I'm good enough. I'm just too much of a sinner right now. Now, How are you going to change that being outside of the learning the things of God? You see how these things can come up? And it causes you to have a thinking, causes you to have actions that go a certain way. And these are not giving God the tools that he can build those things that we want in our life. All right. We've got to look at how we can remember, remember things correctly. For the most part, our ability to remember fails. For the most part, our ability to remember fails. I love that show. We like that show. My wife and I, we love watching this show. This is one of our favorite shows on TV. It's um, Blue Bloods. Have you ever seen Blue Bloods? It comes on a Friday night. Love Tom Selleck. He's just one of my favorite, favorite guys out there. But they had this one particular thing where there's this uh, lady who comes in. And I know the lady from other shows. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you who she is. She comes on in. She's some kind of advocate. And uh, they kind of were at war at times. But um, they wanted to crucify an officer because they recounted the details of a takedown of a suspect in an incorrect way. It didn't happen that way. And there was a video that showed that the officer was given an incorrect account. And uh, they, they chalked it up to the fact that during that time when your life is on the line, and you're trying to react, you can forget some details. And so this lady wasn't accepting it. So what they did is they took her into a house that is set up for training purposes, and they had people in the house ready to shoot her. And so they gave her a gun. They're all blanks. They're not real guns. They're all, all blanks. And so they, she came into the first room, and the perpetrator came out and shot them. And the second one, third one, fourth one, I think one of them finally got her. And so then they asked her questions. How many, how many rounds did you fire? And she said, whatever number it was, and she was wrong. So, no, actually, you, you fired this many. No, I did not. <laughs> the, the first person that came after you, what did he come after you with? He had a Glock. No, he had a knife. No, I know, I saw it. And he, no, they, they, he stood up and he had a knife. What color shirt was the third person? It was red. He stood up, it was blue. Remembered all the details wrong. Folks, our memory is, is not the best. Don't rely on your memory. Just remember, you can forget things. That's why God is into some, some tactics to help us out, help Israel out with these kind of, kind of things. Because we, we do forget. Some of the things that God put in for the Israelites was feasts. There were seven feasts in Israel. These were to remind them of things that God had done or to tell them about things that were coming. Now, of the feasts, there are seven feasts. Six have been fulfilled. One is still yet to be done. But one of the feasts, first feasts that they had was the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And that was the one they did when they came out of Egypt. It was to remind them. Had the Passover in there because the death angel passed over their house. They were supposed to do this on a regular basis to remind them of what God had done. Because we would forget. And so they had a lot of things that went on in that feast that would show them. Anybody ever been through a Passover Seder? We talk about this just about every... every uh, uh, Resurrection Sunday when it comes along, we still got to try and work on getting somebody to come in and show us a Passover Seder. Because if you folks can see this, I've seen it, uh, I think, once or twice in my life. It is amazing to see all the things that are in the Passover Seder that point to Jesus Christ. The, the ceremony is not in the Bible, but it's passed on through, through traditions through the Jewish people who are very good at passing things down. And uh, it is just amazing how much Jesus is in there. But uh, maybe one of these times that anybody knows anybody who does a Passover Seder, goes to churches and does that, please contact them. Let's try and set it up. I'd love to have that go on 
in this one and get you guys to, to see it. We talk about it all the time, but I don't know anybody who goes around and does it. But he did the feast. He did memorials. Remember they came out from the Red Sea and they were bringing rocks and they built a memorial with those rocks and said, this is to remind you. When your children pass by here, tell them, God brought us through the Red Sea. We brought those rocks out with us. There were memorials that were built. When they had the Ark of the Covenant, remember what was put inside the Ark of the Covenant? They put a bowl of the manna and they took Aaron's rod that budded and they put that in the ark to remind them of things that had gone on. Because it was important that they remember. It's important that we remember. Now, I didn't write all these scriptures down in your, in your outline for you. I wrote them down on a card and I have it. If you want these, I will show it to you. I get, um, and they're not in your outline. If you want to write these down, you can do so. At least I don't think I put these in your outline. I put them in mine because I wanted you to read some of these. But God told them, the children of Israel, he told them 29 times what he did for them in Egypt. I went through and counted them. 29 times he told them what he did for them in Egypt after they left Egypt. There were four times in Exodus chapter 13 before they left Egypt that he told them what he's doing for them. There were times before that he told them. But I'm talking about after they left Egypt. He told them 29 times. How many times did they say we want to go back to Egypt? Seven. How many times did God tell them I brought you up? 29 times. Here, I'm going to read a few of them for you. Exodus 16 verse 32. Then Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord has com- commanded. Fill an omer with it so to be kept to your, for your generations that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. This is uh, really just a verse that talks about the Ark of the Covenant I already told you about. Exodus 20, verse 1. And, the, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He does not do this all the time, but many times he says, I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the, ha- of the house of bondage. Exodus 23, verse 15. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty. In that month is when you came out of Egypt. Exodus thirty-four eighteen. The feast of unleavened bread. You shall keep seven days. You shall eat unleavened bread and as I commanded you in that appointed time and month of Abib. For in the month of Abib. We already read the similar one. I wasn't supposed to cover that one over. Exodus 29 verse 46. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt that I may dwell among them and I am the Lord their God. Now it keeps on going on even after Moses is gone back in the book of Judges. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. He constantly tells them about what he has done for them because he knows they will forget. That's why we constantly go over the word of God to learn his promises, to go over his promises, to go over what he says he has done, what he will do for us. Because if we don't, we will forget We will forget just because you believe a thing 
does not mean it's going to help you. You have to believe the right thing. I brought this along with me just to show you. Y'all remember, I brought these out before. I love these things. I've eaten them for, I can't even count how many years. And I go through a box of these a week. Now, I don't mean that little tiny box that you buy at the grocery store that has six or eight of these things in it. I'm talking about the box that you buy at the Costco. The box. I eat these things like candy. I mean, they're, but they're, they're, I believe they're good for me. <laughs> but if you believed that these would make you thin... And you ate them 10 a day. Is it going to make you thin? No, but you believe it. Just because you believe a thing does not mean it's going to help you. What you have to do is believe the truth. Let me read this for you. I'll put this in your outline for you. How do these, uh, these, be, these beliefs, these beliefs they, they impede you. They keep you from doing what you're supposed to do. How do they come? How do they come about in your life? First off, first thing is a false or incomplete memory. False or incomplete memory. This will happen sometimes, you know, especially when you're first married and you're, you have a fight and you have some things that are going on, you know, money's tight and, and there's stress in the house. You know one of the things you begin to think of? Oh, it was never like that with this girlfriend. Right? I didn't have these bottles with this girlfriend. I didn't have the problem with that. I had this boy. There wasn't that. We didn't have any of this kind of stuff going on. You forgot why you broke up with that person. There was a reason why you didn't stay together. And you're just not remembering those things. Because right now, all you want to do is remember the good thing. Why did I ever, why did I ever leave that? Why did I ever walk away? I, should, I miss God. A false or incomplete memory will bring you into a belief that will impede you. False or incomplete truth. We can learn something, or or believe we learned something, and it can be false. I can believe that these things will make me thin. And it won't. It's a false or incomplete truth. Here's the third one. A false or inaccurate conclusion. Somebody can come to a conclusion about something and it doesn't mean that conclusion is right. It can be false and inaccurate. So here's some things where beliefs can come from, these impeding beliefs can come from. How can a hindering belief be neutralized though? How can you take a belief that hinders you, a a belief that is impeding your progress, impeding you from going forward? How can you neutralize that in your life? So here's what you got to do. First off, identify the truth. You have first off got to hear or identify the truth. Not just hear truth. You got to identify. That's truth. I, I know that is true. Look at it this way. Uh, you're, you're buzzing around on Facebook. And because of the things you've been making searches on, here comes an article telling you how to diet and lose 30 pounds in 30 days. You ever seen something like that? It comes up. 30 pounds, 30 days. Oh, this is, I would love to lose 30 pounds in 30 days. This would be great. And so you go and you read that article and you're reading it. Oh, this sounds good. Oh, well, look at this person. We believe that thing to be true. And we hang on to that thing as, as truth. And then we pursue it. Now, it might be true. And I'll tell you this. Just about, I've told you this before. Just about any diet plan you find will probably work as long as you stick with it. You can't take the best from this one and the best from this one and the best from this one and combine them all. It won't work. You've got to take that diet plan and stick with that diet plan. 
So find one you think is livable and go after it. Whether it's to gain weight, eat healthier, lose weight, lower your breath, whatever it might be. But find it, stick with it, stay with it. Don't, don't uh, go off of that. But you've got to identify the truth first off. You've got to hear the truth. I know that to be true. Until truth comes in, I don't know what is false. So the truth has to come in first. I learned the truth. And here's the next part. Which will expose the false. Light exposes darkness. So when that truth comes in, that's true. I know that to be true. And it exposes something that is wrong on the inside of me. And I, not, that's all. It's only exposed it. Here's the third part. i got to then change my belief. It doesn't do me any good if I don't change my belief. If I hear the truth, oh, here's what's wrong, and I leave it there, and I don't do anything about it, it's not going to change me. I have got to change my belief. I've got to alter that belief. I can, no, I can do that. I've heard that I have to get good enough in order for God to accept me. And I believe that. And then all of a sudden I find out from the Word of God that He takes us just as we are. As sinners. And then He begins, oh, and I accept that truth. Now I have to get rid of that false and change my belief. Then think, speak, and act out of this. Most of the time we are thinking and speaking out of beliefs that are either false or somehow they're hindering us. How many of you have ever spoken words like this? Those of you who want to diet and lose weight. How many of you ever say, looked at that scale and say, I will never lose this weight. Have you ever said words like that? You know why you say it? Because you believe it. Why do you believe it? Because of your memory of the past. I've tried and I've failed. I've tried this diet and it didn't work. So, because of my belief of the things that have happened in the past, I'm looking at the scale, I will never lose this weight. You go to the doctor, he takes your blood pressure. Your, your blood pressure is still high. <sighs> I am going to be taking blood pressure medication the rest of my life. Is it stuff like that? I'm going to be taking Tylenols for the rest of my life. I am always suffering from headaches. And we say things like this. Why? Because I believe it. I, I want something else. It's not what I want, but it's what I believe. Just because you believe a thing doesn't mean you, that you want it. Very often, folks, some of the things we believe, we don't want. I believe I will be poor the rest of my life. I believe I will never pay off my mortgage. I believe I'll never be able to buy a house. I believe I'll never have a new car. Why? I've never had one yet. I've seen what they cost. I can't afford it. So we say these things because that's my belief. It's not my desire. It's my belief. I desire something different. But if I were to go out there and say and speak my desire, I'd feel funny. I can't say that. I can't be, be speaking that. But that's what the Word of God teaches you. Now, how many of you ever had your, your situation, something's coming along in your body, and you feel weak, you feel tired? Anybody ever felt weak and tired? I mean, you just can't get up and make it through the day. So you get up, and, you, and this is what you say. I can't make it through today. I can't do it. But what's the Word of God say that you should do? Real simple. The Word of God says, let the weak say, I am strong. That's pretty clear, isn't it? So if you are feeling weak, you should say what? I'm so tired. 
I'm so weak. I don't know how to make this. No, that's not what you're supposed to be saying. What are you supposed to be saying? I'm strong, but you're not strong. You're weak. Why are you saying you're strong when you're you're weak? Because the Word of God said so. So when you get on that scale and you look at that scale and it's saying 30 pounds more than what you want, you speak to that scale. (laughs) You are going to read the curtain. No, I'm not talking about turning the dial back. (laughs) Not doing that sort of thing. No, we're talking about that scale is going to read the right weight and you're speaking to that scale. You're speaking to your body. Body, 30 pounds is coming off of you. You speak to it. Why? Let the weak say I am strong. Let the fat say I am skinny. Let the high blood pressure people say, I have right blood pressure. Go out there and speak it. Go out there and say it. Declare it for yourself. I have a bank account that has more than I need. We're going around, we're saying stuff like, there is more month than there is money. You need to change that. You need to go out there and say what? There's more money than there is month. Thank God. Glory to God. Father God, I thank you that this month I have more money than I have month. I have surplus. But I don't have surplus. Look at the bills. Look at how much is coming in. You don't have it. Stop declaring what you have and start declaring what the Word of God says. Let the weak say, I am strong. So you go out there and you start declaring that thing. You wake up in the morning, change it. But you've got to start declaring some things. You've got to change your belief because you've got some beliefs down on the inside of you folks that are not right. I have some beliefs down on the inside of me that are not right. I'm not saying I got it all, all put together just yet. They have to be exposed. How are they going to get exposed? I have to first off hear the truth. I've got to get myself out to where I am hearing people teach me the truth. And then in my spirit, I've got to judge that. I can't judge truth and false by my knowledge can't do that i gotta let my spirit do it that's why we we spent a whole uh, what half a year on that just looking at how to how to judge that because uh, james told us look at the source don't believe all the spirits but test the spirits whether they be of god because if, uh, if what you hear in the spirit realm is from god it's true if it's not it's probably not But you see, we have false or incomplete memories, false or incomplete truth, or false or inaccurate conclusions. You'll see a whole lot of that right back in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, when the enemy came to Eve and said, Has God said you shall not eat from every tree in the garden? No, 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 we can eat from all the trees in the garden, just the one in the center we're not supposed to eat from. The day we eat that, we will surely die. The devil says to her, you will not surely die, but God knows in the day that you eat of it, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. It was not a complete lie. It had some truth. Right then, they only knew good. Eating of the tree would let them know good and evil. How many of y'all know good, knowing evil is not a help? They thought it would be. So identify the truth, which will expose the false. Change your belief and speak and act out of this. You've got to speak and act out of that new belief or you're not going to change a thing. If you believe that I'm nobody, I'm nothing, got a low self-esteem, you've got to wake up in the morning and say, people like you. Declare that to yourself. People like you. 
You are going to help people today. People are going to seek you out because you're going to make them feel better about themselves. Just start declaring these things to yourself and saying that. Well, that's not how it is. Don't care how it is. We've used this example because it's the best example I ever know. You wake up in the morning, the house is cold. What do you do? Turn the thermostat up. Got turned down. Turn it up to 70 degrees. Why? It's not 70 degrees. Why are you lying? You put that thermostat on 70 degrees and you know full well that house is not 70 degrees. Why are you putting it at 70 degrees? Because you want something different. If you want a house at 60 degrees, you leave the thermostat at 60 degrees. But if you want a house that's at 70, you've got to turn the dial up to 70. You've got to go after something else. You've got to change it. What kind of beliefs do you have that are holding you back? Listen to the truth. It will help you find out what it is. I put this in your outline. I think I did. No, I didn't. This is not in yours. This is in mine. Ran out of room in yours. Sorry, guys. If we are not hearing, listening, or yielding, can God help us? We got to hear. We got to listen. Just because you heard it doesn't mean you were listening. Guys, you, you, can, you can appreciate this. You're watching the football game, and the wife says something from the other room. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You, you heard a noise, but did you listen? <laughs> uh-uh. That's right. Wives should learn not to talk during a football game. <laughs> oh, my if we're not hearing, listening, or yielding, all right, just because I listened doesn't mean that I yielded. So that wife calls in and says, hey, can you go to the store and get some milk? Okay, I heard, I understood, did I yield? No, there's a difference between hearing, listening, and yielding. You've got to do all three if you want this to be changing in your life. Deuteronomy 6, verse 12, I want to read this for you. Then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now, I've, I spent some time on this, ne- this next statement. It took me a little while to get this right. I got most of it last night. I said, it's just not there. Not, not, not there right. So here's, here's how it is. You, you won't uncover beliefs that impede until God's truth you come to heed. You won't uncover beliefs that impede until God's truth you come to heed. You've got to hear the truth that God speaks. You've got to listen. You've got to yield. You've got to do it. You do that. You heed what truth God shows you. It will uncover the beliefs that you have that are holding you back. How many have ever heard this one? I'm sure... Nobody here believes this anymore, but at one time you probably believed, I believe it's God's will to heal me, just not yet. Ever heard that one? Just not yet. What's that mean? It means you're going to stay sick. You're going to stay with that condition. You're going to stay in pain. The enemy wants you to believe that. How do we know that's not true? Go through the Word of God. You find one person, one person. Jesus healed multitudes, multitudes. Many times they would bring an entire crowd, just describe this multitude of people, of sick people to him, and the Word of God would say, He healed them all. If it is so common that it is God's will to heal you, just not yet, how come Jesus never found one? 
we got a wrong belief. It's worked its way in. We think it's founded on truth, but it's not. Beliefs will hinder you from going after and will keep that condition that you've got because I believe I will always be 230 pounds. I believe I will always be the last one picked for a sports team. I believe I will be the first one fired when they're ready to lay some people off. I believe that people won't go with me for a contract. They'll go with somebody else. We have these beliefs and we're thinking them. I may not say it out loud, but I'm thinking them and it's causing me to act in a certain way. And the conditions, the long-term conditions that we want to see change that are still staying around are staying around because we have these beliefs that are on the inside and we haven't weeded them out. And they're still there. We only introduced this aspect of it. There's a lot more in the Word of God to help us with this, to pull these things out and to change us into something else. You've got to first off believe that you can become something different than you are. I pick on diets all the time. It doesn't mean that people, I don't, I don't believe all people are overweight. I think everybody has a different weight that you're going to be. Some people are going to be my size. Some people are going to be bigger. Some people are going to be smaller. And that's just going to be your size. If you are not satisfied with the way your body is and something on the inside of you is telling you, change it, then change it. But the same person who tells you to change it will tell you how. He will give you a way of how to do it. He will tell you a way that you can lower your blood pressure, get rid of your headaches, but you've got to, first off, change your speaking. Secondly, you've got to change our belief because your belief is having an effect on what you're doing. How do you get to hear these things? First off, church is a great place. I, look, I seek after God every, every Sunday. Father, what are the things we need to, to bring? What are the things that, are, that will help to expose certain things? And some of you will come out on a Sunday morning. Oh, I saw this. Somebody else will come out. Oh, I saw this. God will show different things to you. Being here in church, somebody might just have a conversation with you. And in that conversation, they may reveal something. Oh, that's what I needed. That's the truth that I needed. Now I understand. And you can make that change. Sometimes you're listening to a podcast from a service, some other church, and a light will get turned on. Sometimes you're reading in the Word of God. That's why we have a reading program here. Every day you read a chapter, five days a week. Just read that chapter. Reading that chapter, God shows you, oh, I never saw that in there before. And that reveals something on the inside that's a wrong belief. You're worshiping God. You're just going down the road, put the worship music on, worshiping God. And in that time of worship, He speaks something to your spirit. And you receive that as truth. And it reveals some things that are going on wrong. But you see, if you don't go to church, if you don't listen to podcast services, if you don't worship God on the way down the road, if you don't read your Bible, if you don't spend time in prayer, you've cut off all the avenues that God can speak truth to you. And so you are stuck in a place where false beliefs are governing your life. And then the enemy comes along and says, it's God's fault. God is in control. And if God wanted this to change, your life would be different. But God doesn't care about you. And that's why it's this way.
That's the enemy, folks. It's not God. God wants every one of our situations to change. And if we are caught up in something, it's because I have not yet found that truth, heard that truth, or opened myself up to it. Or if I have heard that truth, I haven't yielded to it yet. And I'm still ordering my behavior by a wrong set of beliefs. But you change your beliefs, change your life. You will change your life. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Those that are here with us today. God's been speaking to you. As the Spirit of God was speaking to you, reading the Scriptures. He said, you know, there's a, there's a belief. There are some beliefs I have. And they're holding me back. Might be some of the ones we named today. Might be something that the Spirit of God just revealed to you. But you know, been identified. I got a belief. It's a wrong belief. I'm going to weed that out. That describes you today. Raise up your hand. I'm not going to call you forward. Just want to pray with you. Father God, you see these hands that are up? First part we have to come to is understanding that our belief is wrong. Israel never came to that realization that their belief was wrong. They kept constantly going back to Egypt in their minds. But Father, you have targeted us and shown us our belief is wrong. We can change our life. And after we change one belief, we can change a second. And we change a second, we can change a third. We change a third, we can change a fourth. And not only are we weeding out the wrong beliefs, but Father, we are establishing good beliefs and ordering our behavior after those. And the things that were an anchor in our life holding us down are no longer attached. And we can soar as high as you tell us to go. Father, we give you the praise and the glory for it. You never do give up on us. You're always there. And you always have time for us. I thank you for it. Thank you for it. I don't know how you do it. I can't even imagine how you can have time for every single person on this earth. Still do all the things you do as God. But you do. And I thank you for it. Father, this week I pray that you show people how much you love them. Let them be overwhelmed with that knowledge that you love them right where they are. And that you will show them a path to change and do things positively. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go here this morning, we have some praise reports. I'd like to read these. Daryl says, I thank God for the tuition scholarship we uh, were awarded for Alicia. Well, that's always always a good thing. Any other praise reports? We have, um, there we are, a couple of other prayer requests that came in. Uh, Bobby was not feeling well today. He is, uh, I think it was just his, his energy was down. I got a text from her as well. Jim, <clears throat> also his strength is, is draining from him. This is a new thing. He just says he was, Took three naps yesterday and 
just didn't have the, the energy to get up here for today. So um, a couple of people with things going on in their energy level. Um, Mary, I asked for prayer cover as I traveled to Nigeria and uh, on Wednesday for, oh, for, for a few months, I got it, to visit my home kids. So you're, you're heading home on Wednesday. All right. And then coming back? Oh, that'll be nice. We love seeing her smiling face when, it's, when she's here. It's a wonderful thing. Come on up here. We're going to lay hands on you and pray for you for a safe trip. We're going to stand up again. Let's pray over Mary. You can come up here or stay back there, whatever you want. We're, we're good either way. All right, let's lay hands on, on her. Father God, we just thank you. Safe trip. Long way to go, but Father, you just give her a safe trip. I thank you, Father, that all the things that could go wrong on the way, that Father, you alert her how to avoid that. And that, Father, you start working on things in the background she may not even ever know about, but you just take care of it. And I thank you for a good visit home with the kids and all the things that are going on there. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <laughs> uh, let's just keep praying here. Father, we just pray for Jim. Whatever it is that's going on that's taking that energy out of his body, I thank you, Father, that you show him some things. And out of his mouth will come the words from your, your scriptures. I am strong. And the same thing for Bobby, Father. I thank you that your word is working in his life. And no matter what the enemy wants to try and do, he is not going to be successful. Glory be to God. But, Father, you get all the glory for the victory that is achieved here. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, have a great rest of the week. We have no class after the, the uh, service today. We um, don't. Uh, there's one other thing that my wife wanted to do for the financial peace class. And we haven't been able to put that together yet. So if we do get it together, we'll let you know. And we'll have that announced you know, about ahead of time that we're doing that. Next week is the first end times class on the book of Revelation. That will happen uh, next week. And then Wednesday, we're back in here for the uh, series we're doing on Philippians. Before we, we go, Alyssa has something to talk about with our uh, upcoming Easter egg hunt. We need... As she's going over this, as she's coming up, we need about two or three more volunteers to really make this event go. So if you can be, uh, be a part of this, it's going to be on Sunday, the 9th. It's going to be after church, so you can have time to get something to eat. We're about 2 o'clock, we're going to start this up, 2 o'clock to about 5 o'clock. This is going to go on. If you can come on out and uh, help, us, help us out with that, need about two or three more would really help out. Four would be ideal. 7 or 12, come on. You can. Was that it? Oh. I thought there was more to it than that. Um, all right. If you want to talk to her about what kind of things you can do, just go on over there and, and, and see Alyssa. You're going to be, uh, while you're there, we want you to be able to talk to people about Jesus and about, about uh, the Lord. We don't know that that's going to happen, but if it does, it, be excited, right? It'll be, be, uh, be a good thing for you. It'll be a chance to do that. So August the 9th, we know we all don't, we know what Easter comes from. Easter comes from a bad word, Ishtar. We don't like that. We don't like to use that here where you call it Resurrection Sunday, all that sort of stuff. But the world knows this as an Easter egg hunt. And if we want to get the people that are in the world to come, we have to call it an Easter egg hunt. So that's why it's called the Easter egg hunt. We haven't gone back on any of the things that we taught you before. That's what's uh, going on there. But that will happen here on the, on the night, which is what, two, three, three weeks from now? I think it's, uh, I think it's three weeks from now. Something like that, so... Uh, the rest of the schedule is up in your, your bulletin there too. You'll have that. Have a great day, and we will see some of you here on Wednesday.